This anointed teaching by Apostle Theo Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Good morning, South Africa. Give the Lord Jesus a great big praise God here on this wonderful Sunday morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. All right, let's begin. Today's message is titled, The Latter Rain in the Day of Defection. The Latter Rain in the Day of Defection. And please open your Bibles to the first book of Timothy, chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul writing to Timothy, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Now the Spirit expressly says, the Holy Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that's this day, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The Holy Spirit said at the end times, some will depart from believing the Word of God as it should be, to following doctrines of demons. And there's a lot of that around today, doctrines of demons. So people will turn away from the Word of God. That's what he's saying. There'll be backsliding happening, a lot of backsliding. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, brethren... Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you. This is talking about the rapture. Concerning the Lord's coming and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, the rapture, will not come unless the falling away comes first. All right? So the rapture will not happen until the falling away happens first. So what is the falling away? If you look up that phrase, the falling away, it is Strong's number 646. Now, I don't speak Greek or Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New and Greek. I don't speak either, but I can read. And there's several good concordances that translate from Hebrew and Greek into English. They like dictionaries. And so you can look up the phrase in the Bible, and go to the dictionary and see the original Hebrew or Greek and what other translations mean in English from that word. So, Strong's number 646. The Greek word for falling away is apostasia. Apostasia. And... Um, Another explanation from Strong's 
from the Greek into the English, is a defection from truth. A defection from truth. Now, we know the Bible is truth, right? The Bible is the truth, absolute truth. And since the Word of God and Christ are one, this would mean a defection from the Word and a defection from Christ as well. It also means in English a written of divorcement, a written or writing of divorcement. So the person stops believing in Christ, stops believing in the Bible as the Word of God, and walks away. The Lord Jesus, or the Bible said, that will happen before he returns. The Lord Jesus will not come in the rapture until there is a great defection from truth. That's what he said. Now, here in America, they run polls on everything. On everything. That means they do a test. They'll, run, they'll ask a few thousand people the same question, and they'll evaluate that and get a census. And they call it a poll. So... Recently on Fox News, they had this poll. And in the poll, I've shown it up on the screen now, you can see it. It says region. It says now, 39, and in 1998, it was 62. So what that is saying is, in the explanation, is that in 1998, 62% of people surveyed said they were Christians. Now, 25 years later, 39% of Americans claim to be Christians. So it's dropped in 25 years from 62% to 39%. One can't but have to accept the fact and agree that there's a falling away in America. And I'm not sure about the statistics of South Africa, but definitely in America and in Europe, for sure, there's a great falling away. And we know that many countries of the world are experiencing the same thing. So we can see how the morals of society are deteriorating before our very eyes. We can see how that crime is increasing. Uh, the way people dress has changed a lot in the last 25, 30 years. Um, the way they behave, the way they talk. Um, there's uh, immoral behavior in public, in the movies, um, on television. It's shocking how things have changed. So every day we learn more and more about something new that shocks us as society has deteriorated in morals. So clearly Jesus is coming soon because these are part of the signs. People don't just fall away suddenly. Let me say that again. People don't just, oh, I'm on fire for Jesus next day, now I'm not serving God. That doesn't happen very often. I never don't hear of that. It's over, it's over a period of time that people fall away. 
They grow cold in heart over a period of time, and they don't realize they have. They don't realize they've grown cold in heart, but they have. Now, I'd like to issue a warning to our folks today. Let us not be influenced away from God by everyday people around us, by everyday people around us. Our big mistake is, Christians, that we evaluate our behavior and compare our behavior to others around us and say, well, I'm not too bad. I'm okay because, you know, I'm, I'm living like everybody else. They're all doing it, and I'm doing it, so it's fine. And we're all good people. We should be evaluating ourselves against the Bible. The Word of God is what we should be measuring ourselves against, not the average Joe out there. So how can people detect then that they are growing cold and hot? If they are growing cold and hot, they would like to know, I'm sure. Well, we've got some tests. Now, if you went to the doctor and did a physical, you'd do some tests, right? Maybe a blood test. The doctor would look, take his, whatever it is that he puts on your heart, and listen to your heart, take your blood pressure, do certain tests. We have to do the same physically, uh, spiritually, as we do physically. We have to run some tests. So here are some spiritual tests to see if we are on fire for Jesus or not? Are we growing cold and hot? Are we about to be one of the casualties who have fallen away? Because I can tell you now, in 44 years of pastoring this church, since 1979, I have seen a lot of people in those very chairs who are no longer in church, ever. Don't go to church anywhere, even in this church. They used to be on fire one time, maybe deacons or ushers or even pastors, but no longer serving Jesus, living in the world. You can't tell the difference between them and an unsaved man down the road. So don't think it can't happen to you and me. We have to make sure we take our tests and jerk the slack out of ourselves if we see that we're not passing the test, right? So here we are. Let's do that today. Test number one, can people detect that they are growing cold and hot? Yes. Test number one, they start missing days of reading their Bible. They start missing days of reading their Bible. We should read our Bible every day. Not some days, every day. Every day. Now, on very, very rare occasions, should we ever miss reading the Bible? We should read two, three, four, five chapters, whatever you want to read. But we should read the Bible every day. Matthew 4, verse 4. Jesus said this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus is saying you can't make it on eating natural food only. You're going to die. You can't live you're going to die. If you don't read the Bible, you're going to die. Jesus said, you can't live without it. <laughs> so, <laughs> is it important? Yes. To stay alive. Yes. Spiritually. And that means 
Heaven or hell? That's what we're talking about. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. Breathed. God breathed. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. To teach us what is true. The Bible is truth. Absolute truth. Now, in our world today, they're trying to confuse everybody about what's right and wrong about everything. The devil doesn't want us to have any kind of absolute truth. The devil's trying to tell us what you think is right is right. And that's all that matters. Do it your way. Your way is right. No, that's the way it leads to destruction. Many go to destruction that way. Broad is the way that leads to hell. And narrow is the way that, and many there be that find it. And, broad, and narrow is the way that leads to heaven, eternal life. And few there be that find it, Jesus said. So, it goes on to say, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. So if I don't ever read the Bible, I'm going to end up doing what is wrong and not know what is truth. 1 Peter 2 verse 2 tells us we can't grow spiritually without the Word of God. Can't grow spiritually without it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. It's sharper than any sword. John 17, 17 tells us that God's Word is the only absolute truth. And Proverbs 4.22 and John 6.63 tells us that God's Word is our only source of eternal life. Our only source of eternal life. We cannot find eternal life anywhere else except in the Word of God. If you want to live forever, the only place you can get eternal life from is out of the Word. John 12, 48. On judgment day, the written Word of God will be our judge. So you can hold up your Bible and say this. When I stand before God on judgment day, I will be measured against this book. This book will measure me and determine my destiny on judgment day. Whatever happens to me will happen based on how I measure up to this book. Because it says, on judgment day, the written word of God will be our judge. That's John 12, 48. You can read it yourself. So is this book important? Yes, we better read it. Make sure we're living in line with it because it's going to be judging us on judgment day. Don't ignore it. Better know what's written in there. Well, I didn't know, Jesus, that was in the Bible. Whose fault is that? Romans 10, 17. There's no other way to get faith than through the Word. There's no other way to get faith than through the Word of God. We have to have faith because without it we can not get any prayers answered. God can't hear us pray without faith. 
James 1, 7. We can't be saved without faith. And there's no other place to get it except in the Word of God. There's no other place, Romans 10, 17. And family, you can't build a house in the middle of a tornado. When the tornado's coming, say, so, well, I better build a house to hide into. No, it's too late. When problems come your way, if you don't have the Word of God in you to give you the faith to meet the challenge, you're in trouble. You're sinking. You have to have the Word of God in your heart when the tornado comes your way. It's too late to start putting the Word in. You're not going to make it. 1 Peter 1, 23, and Mark 16, verse 15 through 16, and James 1, verse 18, all tell us there's no other way to get salvation except through hearing God's Word. There's no other way to get to heaven except through hearing God's Word. That's the only way. Ephesians 5, 26, the Word of God will improve our behavior. 1 John 1 Verse 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and all things were created by God's Word. So in the beginning of all things was the Word of God, and the Word of God created everything you can see, the entire universe and the human race, and all the animals, birds, and insects. The Word of God created everything. God spoke it into existence. And then you read in John 1, verse 14, and the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word took on a human body and walked the earth, and He was called Jesus. Jesus, the Word of God. So when Jesus walked the earth, He was the living Word of God. He was the Bible in action. Colossians 1.16 Everything has been created through Christ and for Christ. So the Word of God created everything and still keeps it in existence. Everything was created through Christ and for Christ. He existed before anything else began and holds all creation together. He holds all creation together means the words Christ spoke over the universe still keep everything functioning as he commanded it to function initially. The Word of God holds the universe together. Wow. That's what we're talking about. Another clue of a heart that is cooling down. Somebody rewind and say this. So if we stop reading the Bible, we're forfeiting a lot. Why would we want to ignore such a, a life-giving force Ignore that. How can we do that? That's a definite clue that somebody's cooling down when they stop valuing, valuing the Word of God in their lives. They're cooling down for sure. All right. Another clue of a heart that is cooling down is, number two, they begin spending less time in prayer and they begin skipping days where they don't pray. They begin skipping days where they don't pray. We should pray every day. We should talk to God every day. We shouldn't miss a day of talking to God. 
John 7, 37, Jesus said this. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Imagine Jesus said that. Come to me and drink. What's he talking about? He heard, now he goes on to say, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What's he talking about? Let's carry on reading. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. The Bible is saying Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit that all believers would receive. Whom those believing in him would receive, for because the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is saying, or the Bible is saying here, that the Holy Spirit was not given yet because Jesus was on the earth. The Holy Spirit only came after he died on the cross and paid the price for our forgiveness. Now the Holy Spirit can enter us after he rose from the dead. The New Living Translation says it this way, John 7, 39. Jesus was speaking to the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given, not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now, what Jesus is saying at the feast and at the well of Samaria is, just like a baby drinks from its mother, we can drink God's life into our hearts when we pray in other tongues, which is our heavenly prayer language. So in all that scripture, Jesus is telling us, just like a baby nurses from its mother's breast and drinks life, so we can drink God's life when we pray in other tongues. That's why it's so important to pray. I can't believe that anybody would go a whole day without drinking life from God. Praying in our heavenly prayer language. John 4, 14. Jesus said to the woman at the well in Samaria, I would have given you living water. Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit who gives us the born-again experience and the ability to pray in other tongues. And by so doing, we are able to drink God's life into our hearts. That's what he's telling the woman at Samaria, the same thing as he told those at the feast. Now, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, by praying in our heavenly prayer language, the Holy Spirit is able to work good into every part of our life. Not only do we drink life every time we pray in tongues, but we allow the Holy Spirit to pray blessing into our future and every part of our lives. So not to pray in tongues is not to allow God's blessing into our future and into our family. Why would somebody want to forfeit that 
Now, according to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4, when we pray in other tongues, we are encouraged and strengthened. Say that, when I pray in other tongues, again, when I pray in other tongues, I am encouraged and strengthened. That's according to 1 Corinthians 14, 4. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, when we pray in the Spirit, God reveals to us the wonderful things He has planned for our future. So say that when I pray in tongues, God begins to reveal to me, to my heart, the wonderful things He has planned for my future. The next clue that we notice when hearts are starting to cool down, number three, we start to miss church on occasions. We start to miss church on occasions. Now, we should be in church almost every Sunday. Hardly a few Sundays in a year should we ever miss church. Why do we need to attend church? Why? Well, number one, A, A, we need to receive teaching and training from the Word of God. We need to receive, like you are now, teaching and training from the Word of God. That's imperative. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We have just seen how important the Word of God is to us. So why would we not want to hear teaching from it to help us? We need to be in church to hear the teaching from God's Word. And then B, another reason we need to attend church is to go to church to worship God. Now, there are many reasons. I'm just giving you two here. We go to church to worship God. Everything we have comes from God. Everything. Whenever we give anything to God, whatever you give to Him, we are simply returning some of what He has given to us first. So if I give money to God, I'm give, I might give a gift, right, a tithe, and now I sow a seed as well, then I'm simply giving to God some of the money He's given me first, except for worship. Worship is the only thing we can give to God that comes from us to God. We initiate it. We do it. God didn't worship me. I'm worshiping God. So, it's the only thing that I can give to God that He hasn't given me first. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. It tells us that God told Pharaoh through Moses, let my people go so they can worship me. God said, Moses, go tell the Pharaoh to let my people go so they come worship me. Bring them out of slavery so they can worship me. That's why God set them free from Egypt, to worship Him. In other words, let the children of Israel come out of slavery so they can worship me. This is a type, it's a shadow, of the fact that God set us free from Satan's slavery so we can worship Him. See, that's just a shadow or a type to explain to us that God set us free from Satan's slavery so we can worship Him. Praise God. That's why we've been saved. 
so we can worship God. Those who don't attend church to worship God are clearly not grateful for their salvation. You see, when somebody's grateful for their salvation, they go to church to worship God like He wants us to. He saved us to worship Him. But if I don't go worship Him, I don't appreciate my salvation. And I'm, that's what I'm telling God. The message I'm letting God know is, I don't care about my salvation. I'm indifferent. I, you know, it's like you give somebody a gift that you work hard to get to buy, and you give it to them, and they just say, well, you know, whatever. It's not what I really wanted. You know, you want to take this, that gift away. You want to take it away. You don't want to give it to them, right? Now, that's what we're telling God. If I don't go to church to worship God, I'm telling God, whatever, I don't care that I'm saved. You died on the cross. No big deal. And I don't, spend, I don't care that I'm going to heaven forever. So what? That I'm not going to hell forever. So what? I wonder how God feels about his children who don't go to church to worship him. I wonder how he feels about that. Nothing else should take priority over going to church on a Wednesday, on a weekend to worship God. Nothing else should take priority over going to church on a weekend to worship God. Nothing else. Now, please don't be influenced by the multitude of lukewarm virgins, lukewarm virgins that talk like Christians, but they are not in church on Sundays. They can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They're all over the place. They're not in church on Sundays. Don't let that influence you. Well, everybody's doing it. Not everybody goes to church. It's not something you have to do because not everybody's going to church. They have excellent excuses. Why? They shouldn't or don't want to or don't have to or can't. But every one of them will be in church. Every one of them will be in church the first Sunday after the rapture. Every one of them will be in church the first Sunday after the rapture because they'll be here to find out who else will lukewarm virgins that didn't make it. And they will want to know who else was left behind. Matthew 25 verse 1. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. What's he talking about? The kingdom of heaven. By the story of ten virgins, ten virgins, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. That's talking about the rapture, talking about Jesus returning. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish took no oil in their lamps. But the other five wise, who were wise enough to take enough oil, extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all lay down and slept. At midnight, they heard that they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom's coming. Come out and welcome him. All the virgins got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. 
But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in. Those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five virgins returned, they stood outside calling, Sir, open the door for us. But he called out and called back, I don't know you. You see, they're not hanging out with Jesus. I don't know you. They're not praying like they should, not reading the Bible like they should, not being in church like they should. I don't know you. So stay awake, Jesus said, so stay awake and be prepared because you do not know the day or hour of my return. So Jesus is saying, if you're not ready, you're not coming with me. Just that simple. It can't be clearer. The on-fire wise virgins, the on-fire wise virgins don't miss church. I've never seen an on-fire wise virgin Christian hanging out of the home on a Sunday morning. No, no. Come hell or high water, they are in church. No matter what the weather, they are in church. The five wives will be in church no matter what happens. They don't miss reading their Bible. They read their Bible. The wise virgins don't miss setting time aside and talking to God. They don't do it. They don't miss the worship at the beginning of church services. The wise virgins are in church when it starts and they worship God, showing Him their appreciation for their salvation. Except for very rare occasions, something unforeseen happens and they can't make it, but otherwise they're in church. Jesus was speaking to the church at Laodicea after his resurrection. He died and rose from the dead, and this is what he said to the church at Laodicea. Revelation 3.15, I know all the things you do, and that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, I will spit you out of my mouth. He's talking to Christians. I'll spit you out of my mouth, Christians, because you look warm. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. My gosh. There are some Christians walking around thinking I'm all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> really? Jesus said, you don't realize that you're poor, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Then he says, I'm the one who corrects and disciplines everyone I love. Be diligent to return from your, and turn from your indifference. So Jesus is saying to us who are in church today, I love you. That's why you're here. That's why you heard this message. I'm the one who corrects and disciplines everyone I love. So I'm correcting, Jesus said, and disciplining you all, me too, right now. Therefore, he loves us. So we don't end up like the lukewarm backslider, foolish virgin who missed the rapture. So he said, be diligent and turn from your indifference. Turn from your indifference. 
That's the K Sarah Sarah attitude. Whatever will be will be. Doris Day doctrine. Whatever will be will be. K Sarah Sarah. So um, we are not going to live like that. No. We're not going to act like we just don't care attitude. Like the rest who don't come to church, the foolish virgins. And we go out there and we see the foolish virgins everywhere around on Sundays. They're all doing all sorts of different things. With the kids, at the shopping mall, on the sports fields, you name it. They don't go to church. You know, family, let me tell you something. They're the foolish virgins. I'll then explain to Jesus when I say, Lord, I missed the rapture because, you know, I had to take my kids to sport every Sunday. Really? Tough, eh? Okay. Well, you went through hell on earth because of it. Had to die, have your head cut off to get you. Okay, fine. I'm glad you got that sorted out. Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage and warn each other. Warn each other? Yes. Especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. So that's a very clear instruction. Don't miss church. Encourage folks to come and warn them not to miss because Jesus is coming and they're not going to make it. That's why. They're not going to make it. The wise virgins go in the rapture. They don't miss church worship. They come to church with Bibles and notebooks because they are serious Christians. They are prayers. They are warriors in the spirit world. Satan is afraid of them. They are going to bring the lost day revival, the harvest of the lost, into God's kingdom through their prayers. James 5, 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer, that's talking about the Father God, waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting for the last day harvest of souls, waiting patiently until it uh, until uh, waiting for it until it receives the early and latter rain, which is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a revival. So, God is waiting for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for a revival to bring in the last day harvest of souls. Now, this can only come because somebody prays it in. And this latter rain revival or the outpouring of God's Spirit will happen among the wise virgin group. The wise virgin group. They will be the ones that will pray it in. They will pray in this revival. This will happen in the very day of defection. The great falling away of truth will happen on the one side. The foolish virgins are going to be turning away, and the wise virgins are going to be praying in a revival, and the hungry and thirsty hearts that don't know Jesus will join the fiery, the wise virgin group. Praise God. So you'll have both things going on at the same time. The wise virgins will pray down the revival on the earth. Now we are starting Tuesday night right in this church, in the um, theater at 6 o'clock. We're going to start some very serious meetings every Tuesday night. It was 7 o'clock. 
No, six o'clock, sorry. Six o'clock, right? Uh, and the title of these meetings is Taking Back What the Devil Has Stolen. Taking Back What the Devil Has Stolen. So what are we going to do in these meetings? Well, firstly, we're going to start off with worship, a full proper worship, about 25 minutes with the whole band. And then I'm going to teach the Bible live to you. I'll be doing it on Zoom, okay, live. How the technicians are doing it in our churches, I don't know. But I'll be talking to you. I'll see you in real time, and you'll see me. So I'll be, I will see somebody in the church with a red jacket on or what, whatever it might be, and I'll talk about that. And you'll be there, and you can wave at me. I'll wave at you. Yes, we'll be live every Tuesday night starting this Tuesday coming at 6 o'clock in the theater. I'll be preaching a short message, about 15 minutes long. And it'll be straight talk, straight talk from the Bible, from yours truly. And we'll have some testimonies of uh, some of the people will testify. We'll call up some folks to testify, a few of them, each week maybe. And we'll be praying. The most important thing we're going to do is pray. We're going to intercede and pray fervently for a revival. This is the gathering of the wise virgins on Tuesday nights. This is for the mature Christians who are ready to step up into the war zone and engage in spiritual warfare. I'm calling on all the wise virgins to join me on Tuesday nights right here at Christian Family Church, Janisburg, and we are going to take back what Satan has stolen from your life, from your family, from this city, from this nation, and from the world. We're going to take it back. Eve gave everything away to the devil. Jesus got it back for us. This modern five-virgin, sloppy, cold-in-the-heart Christianity around the world today is given back to the devil what Jesus won on Calvary. We are going to take back what Jesus won on Calvary. It's our inheritance. He wants us to use His authority and pray in victory in every area of our society. Let's do it, church. Let's start a revival. Can't happen without prayer. Prayer is the key ingredient. I'll see you on Tuesday night. Next week, Sunday, I have another very powerful message for you. So don't miss it. We love you, Pastor Bev and I. Love you very much. We're praying for you continually. God bless. Praise the Lord. You know, in Luke 24, the Bible says that when the disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus, Jesus appeared to them and began to expound the Scriptures. And the disciples said this to one another, Did our hearts not burn within us? as he revealed the scriptures to us. I don't know about you guys this morning, but that was an incredible word. It was a word directly from the Lord, calling the Christians here at Christian Family Church to a greater degree of consecration. How many of you sense the Lord speaking directly to you? Can I see your hands? Okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to, if you sense the Lord speaking to you and you felt the Lord draw, drawing you to a greater level of consecration, I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I'm standing, by the way. I'm standing here, but if I was there, I'd be standing. If you were here this morning, you're saying, Lord Jesus, you've spoken to me. I hear it. And I'm answering the call. 
I'm answering the call to become more disciplined in my Bible reading. I'm answering the call to become more disciplined in my prayer life. Now, let me say this. If you want to change, you are going to have to make the change. The Lord calls us. He gives us His Word to empower us, but the decision is still ours. So I'm going to do a corporate prayer this morning for everyone that's standing to their feet. And by standing to your feet, you're saying, Lord, I heard you. Here I am. I'm answering the call. Father, I bring before you each and every one of these precious saints of God who stand here today, Lord God, having been corrected by your word, lovingly corrected and drawn to a greater degree of consecration. For those people that are watching online and are also standing in their living rooms and saying, Lord, I hear what you're saying, and this is a call to prepare me for the end times. I'm here. I'm coming back to your word. I'm coming back to prayer. This is us standing this morning saying, Lord, we thank you for correcting us lovingly and for calling us back. We're standing and saying, Jesus, we are here and we will change. We will be better by your grace. We'll spend more time in your word and we'll spend more time in prayer. And if you agree with that prayer this morning, won't you shout a big amen and say, we are here, Lord Jesus. Say this, count me in. Say it, Lord Jesus, count me in. I'm here. Amen. Thank you. You may take your seats. Now, you might be here this morning for the very first time. Perhaps you even stood as I made this first altar call, but you've never publicly acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. In fact, you've never asked Christ to save you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. I'm not going to ask you to the front. I'm not going to come to where you're at. I just simply want you to raise your hand at the count of three, indicating to me and the Lord that you are saying, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I want to make you the Lord of my life. If that's you at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three, right now. This might be the very first time that you've ever done this. Raise your hand in the air, high in the air, not half-mast, high in the air, and say, Lord Jesus, I need saving. I see your hand over there, ma'am. I see your hand, young man. I see those hands being raised up all over. Today is the day to make right with God, today. Not tomorrow, not next Sunday, right now, today. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm gonna count one more time, and then we're gonna pray. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. You know who you are. The Lord is calling you. Keep that hand raised. I'm going to ask leaders from our church, please, just to come and place the hand on your shoulder. This is simply just to agree with you in prayer because the Bible says, wherever two or more agree as touching anything on earth, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. And for those of you in the venues as well, raise your hands right now. People are coming to lay their hand on your shoulder. Now, for the benefit of those folks that have raised their hands, I'm going to ask everyone, please, to pray this prayer after me, especially those of you that raised your hands. This is your opportunity to speak to the Father. Let's say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that I have missed your mark for my life, your standard for my life. I have continually failed in. But I know that Jesus died for me. And because He died for me, I can be saved and I can be redeemed. Lord Jesus, today, I confess my sin. I receive your forgiveness for I believe that you died for me. And after three days, 
you rose again. Your life is now my life. I declare publicly and boldly, I am born again into the family of God. Right here, right now. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.